to the book of Acts, chapter 11, and verse 24 is where we'll get started. We're going to be anywhere between Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 15, not too far away, so we'll be able to turn fairly easy so that we can learn about and consider a character of the Bible, a man named Barnabas. I don't want to try to go over his whole life and cover everything about him, but, but just as we did with Thomas and with Jonathan and the woman of Sakar, just some things that we can point out about them that we might remember them in a better way as to who they are and how we can glean from them the example that they are to all of us. So tonight, it will be Barnabas and in Acts eleven twenty two, we see that it's Barnabas being spoken of here. And then in verse 24, it says a lot about him. It says, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. You know, I started thinking about the Word of God and, and the Lord's inspired word of, of good here for Barnabas. He was a good man. And I started thinking about the way we use this word good in the world today, you know, and what the world does to it. it it's not that great a word, you know. Think of how we use it. Oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. They're, they're a pretty good person. Yeah, I, I went down to that car wash the other day. They do a pretty good job. As in we think the word good, you, you know, means average or something. But Barnabas wasn't an average man, and that's not the meaning of the word here, that Barnabas was just kind of a, a good, all right guy. We're going to see what it takes to be a good man or a good woman, a good Christian, by way of the life of Barnabas tonight. But first of all, I just want to mention something of an opposition that came to my mind when I first started thinking about this. Because we all know about the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Good Master. And we know what Jesus said, Why are you calling me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no not one. So the Bible makes it clear in a way that we are not good. You know, someone there was a popular question or a book that came out some 20 years ago. Why do bad things happen to good people? And a lot of preachers said, well, I've yet to see a good person. Because Jesus says there's none good but one, and that is God. And yet we have here that the Word of God has said of Barnabas that he is a good man. So... There's an opposition on the appearance of this. But we know there's no contradictions in the Bible. So what we have here in the context of the rich young ruler, 
He's trying to get to heaven as a natural person in his flesh and to be good enough to do so. And that's not possible for anyone to be able to get to heaven without being born again. There's none righteous, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But Barnabas is a good man. Well, the rich young ruler was an unsaved man. Barnabas is a saved man. The Lord is working through his life. The Lord is doing good things through his life. So Barnabas is a good man, it says. What are some things in this saved man's life that, that God would have us to consider tonight in him being a good man? that you and I might be a good Christian. Well, the first thing is, Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, Barnabas is an overseer. It say, you'll, you'll be familiar with the story as I read. It says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas was an overseer. Barnabas was not the owner of all that he possessed. He was the overseer of what he had in his possession. Anyone who is going to be greatly given to by God in this degree is going to be a good steward of what they have received by the grace of God. And Barnabas was this way. Barnabas saw a great need and he gave to this need. He is a wealthy landowner and he sells his land and he puts every bit of the money before the Lord by way of the apostles' feet for the need that he saw. Now what does this tell you and I about Barnabas that he gave in such a way? When Barnabas was saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave himself to Christ and all that he had belonged to Christ. You know, and as we look at this, God is not telling you and I to go out and give everything that we have away like Barnabas did. But what we do understand by this is that we are always willing and always ready 
for the will of the Lord to take place, no matter what it involves of us or whatever it involves of everything we have. We are called to be overseers of what we have. We are not owners of what we have. God is owner of all that we have. We talk about this a lot in Stewardship Month every January. And I remember walking in to the youth room one morning before the lesson and pointing out someone's shirt or someone's shoes and asking them if it's theirs. And they would say, well, yes, it is. I'd say, no, it's not. And it was quite suspense, you know, building uh, when it came up to the message. But everything belongs to God. Stewardship starts with believing this and living this, that God owns all. He is the owner of everything. He owns our families, our spouses, our children, our homes, our property, our vehicles. It all belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. The 24th Psalm and the first verse. And you know, in saying this, every professing Christian or maybe every professing Baptist, I don't know, but many people would agree with this and say, amen, that is true. But it's not just a matter of consent to this, but action is demanded concerning this as well. We see expressions of this all throughout the Bible that we are only overseers and God is owner. And we see people in the Bible who were devoted in service as faithful stewards to the Lord. They knew they were only overseers of all that they had. It was commanded to all God's people, it is commanded to all God's people, that we understand that everything belongs to God and we are just managers of it. Jesus never put himself above this uh, in and of himself. He, he obeyed all the laws of God. Jesus was a tither when he was on this earth. He never broke not one of God's laws. He did as anyone else would do. So this is obvious for all Christians, for all preachers, for everyone this is involved in that anything that any of us have, it's God's. It belongs to Him. The right attitude toward possessions is needed by Christians so much today. We have more than we've ever had as a whole in this day and time. And so if there only be a few, may we be the few who are faithful and loyal to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whether we have a little or whether we have a lot. You know, we may appear to do well in fellowship with God's people, with the people of God. We may seem to do well with our presence in God's house. Uh, Bible study, a pure-sounding spiritual chat. We can look that way. But if our attitude about possessions 
and what we have isn't spiritual, then things just aren't going to work out. And you can slice and dice this any way that we want. Whether, it, whether tonight you're just saying amen and you're right in line with this, your, your possessions belong to God, you do what you should do with your possessions for God, you know that, that what you have is available to the Lord for His will, whatever He wants. Well, it's the same way with, with all of these other things. You know, it's, it's all the way across the board. Things are not going to work out if, if our presence isn't in the church, but we have everything to do with possessions right in order as they should be with the Lord. I, I have a preacher friend, and, and he talked to some, a very generous member one time uh, uh, just about, about his presence. He's, we're thankful for what you do for the church, but uh, you know we'd like to see you here. And believe it or not, that worked out very well for that individual. So we have, we have all of these things that we are responsible for in the Lord. But just looking at this matter of our possessions, it's of utmost importance that we are spiritual about these things. You know, we, we could be the most generous Christian around, but if our other duties are not in line, it's just not going to help us a bit. Barnabas was good because he was a good man because he was an overseer of all that he had for God and he wasn't owner of it and he clearly knew that. But not only was he an overseer, as we consider Barnabas' life, we can call him optimistic. That word optimistic, it means confident about the future. So obviously, Barnabas was a man of faith. And he was confident about the future. We could use this word optimistic. He was optimistic about his future. Um, but he was optimistic not only about salvation and the Lord and what his future held, he was optimistic about the people of God, about brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to be on this point for a little while. Barnabas was an encourager to others. You know, I, I know a preacher who pastored a little Baptist church way out in the country, and he didn't trust anybody to do anything in the church. He thought he could do it best, so he did everything, and overall, it was a very miserable situation. That's opposite of Barnabas. Barnabas was a good support to others, and he was an encourager of his brothers and sisters in Christ. Barnabas was hopeful for people. You might call Barnabas the biggest fan and cheerleader of other people. You know, Barnabas was seeing the good always in someone else, best he could. And I think about the way our minds work and the way our attitudes work and the way we can be in the flesh sometimes. And we can tend to exalt our discernment of someone else. 
Oh, they can't fool me. I know what's going on in their life. Or I can see in five seconds in someone I meet what it takes other people five months to figure out about them. You know, everyone thought he was sincere, but I knew he was a shim-shammer. I knew it the whole way. And we just exalt our discernments of others. Barnabas wasn't like that. And Barnabas was a good man. And this is one major point about Barnabas that made him good. Now, I'm not saying here that Barnabas was a good man because he was blindly naive with everyone he came across. But Barnabas wanted the best for others. Barnabas believed the best for others. He would give everyone a chance. He would give others a second chance. And he believed in what God would do in their lives. There was a church that called a young man as pastor one time. And he wasn't everything they hoped he would be. And... All of a sudden, the church started coming against him. And and the, the gossip went around, and it was everyone except for one man. And it wasn't like a meeting took place and and they raised their hands, but but it just all started happening, and everybody noticed that one wasn't going with the flow with the rest of them. And they asked him, Why why not? Why aren't you on board with us? He said, because I see hope for this young man. I, see, I, I believe he's a God-called preacher, and he's made some mistakes, like all preachers make, but I have hope for him. And the man said, I was taught to stand behind someone until you just can't stand behind them anymore. And so that was his testimony, and that's what he was doing. And, you know, a Christian attribute is placing confidence in fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That is something that we are called to be and to do as a child of God with those who are the family of God. Barnabas was a good man who was optimistic about his fellow man. We're going to look at a few examples of this. The first one is in Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. It says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, and they believed not that he was a disciple. Here it goes. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea, and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had all the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, 
and walking in the fear of the Lord and in comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Saul was a great enemy to the people of God. We just talked about this Sunday night or Wednesday night, how he looked for anyone in the way, and Paul looked to punish or to put any Christian in prison. He thought he was doing what he was supposed to be doing in the religion he was sincere about that was wrong. So he was this great enemy against Christians. And we know what happened to him on the road to Damascus. Jesus saved him. He trusted in the Lord Jesus as his word and as his Lord and Savior. And the word spread that Saul, this persecutor of Christians, has become a Christian himself. And no one in Jerusalem or around Jerusalem believed it. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. They stayed away from him. They, they weren't interested in it. But Barnabas. Barnabas was. When everyone was against him, Barnabas stood for him. Barnabas put his entire reputation on the line for this man who had professed Christ as his Lord and Savior. He put his church at stake for this stand he took for someone that everyone was against. And he was placing his faith in the fact that he had professed Christ as his Lord and Savior. He believed the testimony of Paul and he was converted. You know, what might have happened to Paul if Barnabas didn't take a stand for him? If Barnabas just fell in with everyone else and the attitude of everyone else, and fearful and skeptical, what might have taken place with Paul? Not only Paul, but Mark. Paul and Barnabas were on a mission journey together. And then there's Mark who accompanied them on their journey. And we know what happened to Mark. Mark got homesick. Mark dropped off. He left the mission work. He wasn't cut out for the mission work, it appeared. So he went back home. Years down the road, Mark wants to join them. Here we have a collision of Paul, Barnabas, and Mark again. Mark wants to accompany them. He wants to go on the journey with them in mission work. And Paul quickly rejects him. No, not Mark. We, we know what he did before he messed up and he's out of it. We reject him. Barnabas just couldn't do it. You know, as much as he loved mission work with Paul and respected Paul, he just couldn't thump a life to the side that there was a chance in, that there was a chance that there would be a difference. He couldn't assume that Mark would just head home again that he might be this hero in mission work, that he might get his feet planted in service to the Lord truly, and this is his chance. He deserted them the first time, but he could be so devoted this time, and it could be a completely different mark. So we have differences in Paul 
and Barnabas. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 15 and verse 36, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder from one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And the beginning of verse 40 says that Paul took Silas and he went another direction. Barnabas is standing by a man here because of what he believes he can become and it's to the point that he's that he has forfeited his missionary journey with his amazing friend the apostle Paul and they have parted ways. This man Barnabas supported Mark when he was down, when he was doubted, and he was used to give us one of our four Gospels that we have today. The Gospel of Mark. Years go by again. It's a very tough situation concerning persecution. The Apostle Paul is in prison. He's writing to Timothy and he's encouraging Timothy to be strong, to be steadfast and And so Paul knows that this is a time where where they need Christians that they can count on. So he's writing to Timothy. And in chapter 4, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, in verse 11, Paul says to Timothy, Take Mark and bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. And this is after Barnabas had taken that stand for Mark. You don't get an apology out of the Apostle Paul, but this would be as close to one as you would get. And you would get him confirming the work that he was able to do. And Barnabas took it upon himself to be that Christian to be that one who would would spend his time, spend his attention with someone, not knowing what the outcome would be, but knowing what it could be if he could encourage them to turn to the Lord and to start serving them. And so, so sometimes, as we think about Barnabas here tonight, and being a Barnabas... Sometimes Christians need a jump start. Sometimes some of the most faithful workers of God, they can grow weary, even though we shouldn't. And we need a jump start sometimes. And that's what Barnabas was for Paul. That's what Barnabas was for Mark. It proved to be a profitable ministry 
that Barnabas was in. It was a good thing to do and it proved to be good. And you know, that's, that's quite a bit like our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about Jesus in the Gospel of John chapter 8 and the first 11 verses where the scribes and the Pharisees bring this woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And they think they're going to catch Jesus in a rock in a hard place. And they say, Moses says in the law that she should be stoned. Now what do you say? And they are expecting two answers that both of them would discredit Jesus. Instead, we know what he does. He stoops down and he writes in the sand. And the scribes and the Pharisees are convicted. And they leave. And he says to the woman, Where are those who, who condemns you? And she says, No man, Lord. And he says, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Barnabas is kind of like Jesus here. Consider how Jesus ascended from earth 40 days after His resurrection and He left the beginning of the work to His disciples. His disciples who were not perfect. You know, they, they tried to keep people away from Jesus that Jesus wanted to minister to. They made their mistakes and yet Jesus left the work with them to start on down to you and I today and we're not perfect we make mistakes but Jesus has given us today the work of the ministry think about the lineage of Jesus think about Abraham Isaac and Jacob and these imperfect people and the mistakes that they made yet Jesus has given us given them given us the opportunity for the work of the ministry. He gives us opportunities. He gives us chance after chance. And as we think about how the Lord gives us that chance, it, it kind of makes us want to be like Barnabas, I, I think, that we would want and should be that way with others. That we would be a Barnabas to someone else. Barnabas received a new name. And the significance of it is the meaning of the name. And it means son of consolation. And within the definition of that, it means encouragement. Barnabas believed in his brothers and sisters in Christ. And he was an encourager of them. He was opposite of the sons of thunder. James and John wanting to call down fire from heaven. He was opposite of them as a son of consolation. James and John were the storm. Barnabas was the calm for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Barnabas brought hope where there was despair in the life of another. He helped the downtrodden, to listen to the singing of the birds, if you will, 
Barnabas was refreshing to others. You know, there's someone on our daily path, whether it be by way of work, whether it be someone in the family, there's someone who needs a jump start on our path. You know, people don't just want to be grouchy, just to be grouchy. You know, people have their issues, and you know what, you know what many of them need? They need a jump start. I can't say I've ever been a Barnabas, but I just remember when I haven't told a Bluebell story in a while. Tim doesn't want to hear the Bluebell stories anymore. But um, I just remember taking care of my product, doing something one day, and, and this, this man walked up to me, and he just started chewing me out because the bananas and the banana split ice cream was too fresh. He said, and they don't have flavor. He said, y'all need to let those bananas rot some. And I'm not going to get dramatic and act like he did with me, but he chewed me out up and down. And I just smiled sweetly and said, you know what? I'm, I hear what you're saying. And, and yeah, I know that about bananas. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to turn that in to the company and let them know. They ask me for a new flavor sometimes. And I'm not going to give them a new flavor, but I'm just going to tell them let the bananas rot some. And that grouchy, mean man smiled at me, and he said, thanks for listening to an old man gripe. And look, if that was that easy, I, can't, I don't have that example in every situation, but if that was that easy, how much can we be like a Barnabas to other people? You know, we can. The more Barnabases there are in the family of God, the more jump starts we're going to get when we need it. And we need it often. There's a really good Baptist seminary up in East Texas. And as far as I know, the same man is still the dean of the seminary. And that puts him between 93 and 97 years old. So I don't know how active he is or how much he does anymore, but he did a whole lot for a long time. And the seminary students, the young preachers there, they called him their Paul. You know, Paul had this, had this great type of authority, but not imposing it and, and to lead and guide and to help churches and, and to help Christians, you know. And, and so they said that he is our Paul. And then they got word after several years that when a preacher graduated the seminary and went off and pastored a church, if they fell out, if they left the church, if the church let them go, whatever the case, he never told anybody, but he always went after them. He went after them to try to give them healing, to try to help them heal in the Lord to refresh them. And many of them were returned to the pulpit. Some of them were completely out of church, and he at least got them back in church, serving the Lord for a time. And these seminary students, they said, he's not our Paul, he's our Barnabas. And he was happy to be a Barnabas. He was, he was you don't hear much about Barnabas, but he was very honored that they called him a Barnabas. Barnabas 
was also outreaching. Look with me in Acts eleven nineteen. It says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. A great great evangelistic work was going on in Antioch. I mean, the fields were, were ripe, they were ready for harvest, and Barnabas is sent out by the, by the influence of the Holy Spirit upon the church that he go. He went to see what was going on, souls were being saved. He immediately jumped into the work of ministering to souls and souls being saved. But he not only did that, he stopped and he thought about Paul. He thought about Paul over in Tarsus. And I don't know what Paul was doing at that exact time, but Barnabas went and looked for him. He sought him out and he found Paul and he brought him over for a great opportunity to be able to be a witness for others. Barnabas got right in the work with them and then he thought about another. This this is the the footprint on, on his life that it was someone else that he would put before others. And so he went to give Paul a great opportunity to encourage him that he might help in the evangelistic crusade, if you will. And the Bible says that they labored together and together they worked in mission work. Barnabas was outreaching. Barnabas was a good man, we know, by these things. And one more thing, Barnabas was overflowing. Back to verse 24 where we started. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. That's saying that Barnabas was fully surrendered to God's control. Barnabas wasn't a man who had certain showcasing skills and talents that would make the people ooh and ah over him. But Barnabas was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Look at these things that we've shared about him. Barnabas was an overseer, optimistic, outreaching, and overflowing. There's not a special gift in here that was specific for just Barnabas. These are things for every Christian to do. You know, every Christian is not the preacher. Every Christian is not the music leader. Every Christian doesn't do everything, is not a teacher. But these things are for every Christian. And what it takes, it wraps all up in this last one of Barnabas being overflowing... 
that he was in submission to the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot serve the Lord without being in submission and under the influence, under the control of God's Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled with the Spirit. And Barnabas was that. And Barnabas was a good man. He knew that he was an overseer of everything in his life that he had, but God owned it all. And everything he had belonged to God. Barnabas was optimistic. He was optimistic of others having faith in giving second chances to all who failed. Giving that first chance when no one else would. Giving the second chance when there was failure. If a hundred people would be standing against you, Barnabas would be that one trusting in what the Lord could do to help you, standing with you. He was outreaching in ministry to the Jews, the Gentiles, the entire world. He was overflowing in the operation of the power of the Holy Ghost who indwells us all. And the fruit of the Spirit, one of those nine fruits, is goodness. Barnabas was full of the Holy Ghost. He was a good man. Let's knock the dust off what the world does to this word good. We see what God's word does to exalt him as being a good man by the things that he does. Let us remember Barnabas, and we'll talk about him another day and more things, but let's remember these four things. As we consider who Barnabas is, let these things come to our mind, and let's you and I be a Barnabas. And with that, we're going to close Bible study and prayer.